My name is Matt Brown. Drifting to the 28. There he goes. He's already at a 30-yard punt return. Always as quick as a hiccup. And let's start the show. Left tackle block and a leaping catch made on a quick throw at the 50 by Shania. Broker tackle 45, picks him at the tackle 40. He's on the hash mark to 30. He's being chased as he comes to the near side, 25. Broker tackle at the 20. Sideline 10, 5, touchdown! What a run after the catch! Debo Samuel! going on everybody the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is wednesday october 5th 2022 what an incredible nfl show we have for each and every single one of you but before we get into all the fun that entails the fun that's in store and the amazing things regarding all nfl chit chat and banter i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComboPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Check us out on YouTube Shorts as well. Type in Matt Brown, Norwalk, Connecticut on Facebook to check out our content through Facebook and we'll soon be on Reddit starting next week. So a lot of good stuff for our social media platforms. Thank you, Alex DeJesus, for making that possible. So yes, it was quite the week in the NFL. Week four is in the books. And as we look ahead to week five, we have to obviously discuss the Tua concussion issue and the whole debate on concussion protocol and where the NFL should go after Tua Tunga Vailoa gets two tu- t- gets two concussions in the same week, just three days apart from each other. We talk about Tom Brady and the woes he had on the field against Kansas City on Sunday, and the woes that are allegedly happening to him off the field. Hopefully. It is not true. No one wants to hear about somebody's marriage in shambles, but um, it is apparent that that must be discussed moving forward for him and the Buccaneers. Then we talk about the disappointing Indianapolis Colts team, disappointing Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. We get into Zach Wilson really making an impact in his return. The New York Giants showing that they have something going for them with their coaching staff. They are 3-1. and one. And then there's a lot of other fun stuff ahead from the Packers and the Cowboys and Jacksonville making some noise. Even though they lost against a good Eagles team, they looked really good. But we have this and more going through all 32 teams, talking about each and every single matchup in week four, and then we preview week five ahead, so you do not want to miss it. My guys, Brian McKeon and Alex Renelia are here as per usual to talk all things NFL with me, so let's get to it. Let's have some fun. Alex and Brian, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's get productive with it. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Week four of the NFL. Wasn't it a crazy one in various ways? On this, as we record for one, the day Aaron Judge hits a 60-second home run. And that's all baseball we have for today. So congratulations, Aaron. But for the NFL, where we saw an injury that might change everything, 
where we saw a team fighting to stay undefeated, where we see these prominent franchises who were killing it for two decades start one and three. The NFL is king and crazy as always. Alex and Brian are here. What's up, fellas? How we doing? What's up, boys? What is up? All right. Where do I begin? Where do we begin with week four recap? Well, let's talk about the biggest story. Reckon it's almost been a week since, but a lot has impacted it. So first, Thursday night, we have the Miami Dolphins go up against the Buffalo Bills. And in the second quarter, towards the end, we see Tua Tunga Viola get tackled at midfield falling right on his head, leading to his second concussion in 72 hours. And we saw the scary image of his fingers crumbling, gets carted off the field, and it leads to a whole debate on what the NFL is doing regarding their concussion protocol. Regardless of the game, Miami had their first loss, um, did I say Buffalo Bills? I'm sorry. They get Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals get pulls out the victory 27-15. And I get back to 500. But let's talk about the big story ever since that happened to start off week four. Who was concussion? Looks like he will not be playing against the Jets this upcoming week. And now, again, it leads to a whole discussion on concussion protocol. What's going on? Now, this was a result of his earlier concussion on Sunday against the Buffalo bills. And he did pass concussion protocol, whether that was a questionable decision or not, that was what took place. And like I said, three days later, he gets concussed again. The neuro, the independent neurologist on the sideline gets fired by Miami as a result of one, this backlash and possibly the malpractice. And now we need to figure out where to go from here. So, Brian, you did talk about it earlier last week about the risk coming into Tua playing. And unfortunately, you were right on that one. So I'll open the floor to you and Alex. Where do we go from here with concussion protocol? Whether it's a time to start pointing fingers and blaming people, I think it's clear that the consequences were met for that neurologist, but maybe there's more consequences to come for the dolphins and stuff. But um, I think there is some more work that needs to be done. Let's start with your thoughts, Brian. Where does the NFL go from here after that unfortunate situation? Yeah, so hello, everyone. Um, It's very hard. It's a very hard topic to talk about because the name of the game is contact football and, you know, concussions are a thing. So it's like, where do we cross the line and say, you know, we have to be super protective and let or we have to let the players play. So there's always that debate. Um, I think they botched it on this one, though, because if you looked in the previous game against the Bills, uh, he looked like he had a concussion. I don't care whoever it was, a back injury. Like, really? That's what they thought of that was? The man stood up. If you have a back injury, he wouldn't have been able to stand up and then collapsed. That's obvious, obviously some type of cognitive issue. Uh, you know, in my opinion, the NFL has to really move into second opinions, and third opinions for concussions. Why are you only having one team doctor or one person on the sideline evaluate you for a concussion? If you really think about it, uh, someone that's hired by the team might have a 
subconscious bias towards making sure you end up getting on the field again because they want your they want their team and you to be on the field and produce. So I really want to see a third party uh, second opinion on all concussion protocols in the NFL. It needs to happen. And is no this like a that- third? This is a third next to because the protocol is the team doctor, the independent neurologist, and you feel they should add another one. Yeah, I think they need another one. They need one completely disassociated with the league. Um, that you would just like like walking into a hospital and getting a concussion evaluation, not even knowing you're a professional. Just at the surface, let's see what's going on here because there's a very good possibility that Tua doesn't play again. I'm not even kidding. Like he wants to play again, but this guy's going to be out for at least three weeks, four weeks. And the guy who uh, I forget the doctor's name, he just put on Instagram though who uh, discovered CTA. He said, brother, Will Smith played. Yes. Um, in concussion, the doctor said, brother Tua, I love you. Like my son, do not play football again. After that hit. Mm. So he said that. Wow. So I'm going to take a diametrically opposed approach. I think that um, all of those points, Brian are very valid. And I think that, the league honestly has been pretty proactive in constantly shifting how they um, treat these difficult situations um, in the off seasons. And I think they've done a tremendous job um, adding um, many levels and many positions to the staffs um, in the off season to deal with concussion protocols. Um, I think that it was irresponsible for the doctor to not um, to do what he did um, after the game and they should have fired him as they did. But I, I, I really abstain against a top-down approach to the league, adding a third um, level to this process by which um, teams look at these players and assess them after injury. We know that um, two along with people like Andrew Luck are situations where, um, and Luke Keekley for that matter, a lot of recurring injuries play into the particular player's role, their lifestyle, their body physique, and um, their past experiences. We knew that his injury history was a problem coming out of Bama, coming into the league, and um, uh, the team, the Miami Dolphins, you know, as an organization, had to have some kind of buyer's uh, beware um, and, you know, remorse maybe in, in, in the rear view because of the situation that they're in. But that's a team-to-team decision, and I don't think that adding a top-down um, mechanism um, – as a proxy for this process is really um, a really good use of um, both the league's time and money and the resources um, uh, allocated to each particular team. So I just think that it should be more of a team to team decision. And I think for the record that that's really what a lot of these um, scouts and recruits and um, you know, these draft related positions in each organization, this is why they're paid a lot of money as well too. I agree with you. There's only one issue with me and concussions is that there is no, um, I like, Oh, I work. Let me work out my neck more. I'm not going to get concussions. That's not how that works. So it's like, even in scouting and a buyer's beware, it's a concussion. It could happen at any moment. It's football. I could, the guy could literally fall down and get a concussion and hit his head the wrong way. So it's a little hard to gauge on the susceptibleness of con- of concussions. Maybe that will be in the future with science and technology, seeing someone and going, Oh, well, based on, you know, the size of your head and the, you know, the distance between your skull and your actual brain and the membrane, you have a 75% chance to get a concussion from this hit. So maybe eventually we could be able to gauge like that. But I feel like right now we just need pr- more, it, more time is time is a benefit 
in concussions. Yes. Oh, no, I was just going to say, before we move on, I wanted to bring up two other points that were really um, worth noting, too. There was a big um, issue, and of course it was just related to Antonio Brown at the time, but I know it was a a sticking issue with Brady as well. When the team actually, I mean, when the league actually imposed all the modifications and the mandates for new helmets across the league a few years ago, I knew that was a big point um, and definitely not um, something worth uh, revisiting um, from a top-down approach, I think, for the league. I think in retrospect, I think a lot of these teams should have probably taken the protocol they felt was necessary to um, uh, to reduce the amount of exposure these players had. But I also understand it from a safety perspective because they have so many hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in this league as well. So it, does, yeah. does, it does get tricky, I understand. And I think another um, – one more example, too, is that we, we look back at, like, I think of RG3's career – and I think of how it was cut short because he had um, uh, inability and a refusal for a particular way to um, to slide and get out of balance. But I would never want to extrapolate the kind of offseason measures that the um, the Washington Redskins organization took to work with him and try to get him to relearn his process for staying out of harm's way and, and reducing injury. I would never want to extrapolate that to 32 teams. So that's the only thing I wanted to say. Yeah, no, I get that. Which is my thing is, is with concussions, it's just it's so across the board. We know the severity of it. There should be there's no reason why. Like we should at least have a, like a rule in place. If you have a Monday night game, you can't play a Sunday night game yeah. like, after a concussion or something or like on a short week. Because like it, it's at this point, it's just neg- it's gross negligence by the team and the league to allow a person to play after a week. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 just a it's a slippery slope that clearly shows that there's still so much more research they have to do. And, you know, we've seen the worst case scenarios. I mean, these players who really play the 70s and 80s and 90s when those hits were brutal, I'm not going to I'm not going to. Yeah, brutal. This, like I saw, I remember seeing this real sports about this guy who played. I don't remember his name, but this dude. Uh, they get emotional thinking about it. he was in yeah. the worst shape I've ever seen. And they even think that for I think the NFL settled for four hundred and fifty-two million dollars and that still wasn't enough, some of them said. Um it's it's the entire the entire Steelers team of the Terry Bradshaw era. I yeah. think they said their entire offensive line and linebacker core had CTA. Jack Lambert, um oh, that's all those guys. Then. I believe it was the first, the first major case was finding, discovering his brain. It's, uh, it's terrible. And it's weird. Cause you see some players who play a long time and still have the wits like a Terry Bradshaw or, you know, a Dan Marino, Boomer, Sison, who's, who still have it too, but it, it's just, it's weird. But it, regardless, there's just still so much work that has to be done. And, um, I only hope that this story doesn't get thrown away in a couple of weeks and we just move on like others. It'll and, be a recurring issue for sure. Yeah. But, you know, we could go all day with this gentleman and, and um, regardless, let's, let's continue to learn from these um, situations. And just regardless, anything you have on the Dolphins, Dolphins now are going to play with Teddy Bridgewater. Do you think that they can, you know, keep the momentum up with his uh, weapons. And then uh, Bengals are back at 500. Some people think that they can uh, get in a group but still have offensive line problems, clearly. Anything regarding the Dolphins and Bengals moving forward? 
I really don't see that much of a drop down, drop down between Tua and Teddy just because Tua didn't have enough sample size. He only had that one big game, um, which I think was more of just a, a adrenaline, um, motivational, momentum kind of game where it just had to be done and he like came clutch. So I think Teddy will be able to steer the ship and at least keep them flowing around 500. Uh, and the Bengals, yeah, the Bengals are looking a lot better than the Rams right now. That's all I'll say. So maybe this, maybe it's the reverse for the Super Bowl hangover right now. Yeah, I mean, Teddy's a consummate professional, and I think looking at the schedule outside of the Vikings game in two weeks, I think they have a very winnable um, uh, short-term future with the Jets, you know, Lions, Steelers, Bears. So um, they can definitely keep this uh, keep this thing going. Amen, brother. Amen. Zach Wilson shines in his return for the Jets. Okay, first quarter, but really shine in the fourth quarter. Kenny Pickett comes in at the halftime. Really exciting. I really was sure that a Jets curse was going to have it again, and Kenny Pickett was going to have an intense debut like a Herbert or originally Baker Mayfield, but then threw three interceptions. The Steelers are one and three. The Jets are two and two. Um, good win for the Jets. But do we think that this shows that the Jets are going to be fixed, have fixed their problems now with Zach Wilson coming back? We'll start with the Jets and then focus on the Steelers. Or the Jets, um, are they going to be okay now with Zach Wilson? Rather, rather you did play a fluky team. Or, nah, once they have a big challenge, like the Dolphins coming into it, um, we think the Jets are going to be okay. Personally, I don't think so. I still think the the um, jury's still out there. Reckon he does have the uh, a really really great amount of weapons from Brees Hall and Carter holding down the rushing game. Garrett Wilson making a real case that they made a great first round pick for him. Elijah Moore might be breaking out into a legitimate player as well. And then Corey Davis, when he's not aloof, can be a solid weapon as well. And their tight end Coughlin's actually pretty, pretty solid. Um, so I, again, if uh, Zach Wilson could just stay protected, maybe they can make a push for the wild card. I think the way you amended your question was better because I don't think that we still have, um, we have yet to see what we can get for expectations with this team, but I think there, we, we kind of saw a few things that this team can lean on moving forward. I think that having a, a you know, um, a steady secondary to really hunt after these guys um, on defense um, was able to generate a lot of turnovers for um, an offense that still hasn't found itself with Pittsburgh. So I think that, um, having that secondary out there has been um, critical and key for um, giving Zach Wilson short fields moving forward. And I think that, um, you know, just refining, um, you know, the receivers room, just getting more of a rapport with Corey Davis. I thought he had a pretty decent game as well as Elijah Moore and Conklin, like you said, Matt. Um, so I think just getting some of the, you know, some of that gel back, but I think really seeing the turnout from that secondary, the Jets was allowing, um, uh, was allowing Zach Wilson to have an easier transition back and give him a sh- um, some shorter fields, but definitely need to see a lot more from Zach. He had some, he had some off ball throws. He had a lot of miscommunicated reads. Um, so plenty to plenty to build on, but plenty to move forward with too. Yes. It does help when uh, TJ Watts um, not playing as well. That's and sure. They did have some other holes on defense, but you know, now they'll play a, a more legit defense in Miami, especially with one of the best secondaries in the entire AFC. Uh, let's, that'll be a real test. 
or um, I want to just continue to make fun of them. We'll see if they can uh, lose again this Sunday. Okay, okay. So with um, <laughs> New York football giants, our three and one team again. Yes, I know they haven't played legit team, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But you can be happy that Brian Dayball knows how to coach the hell out of this team on a rainy MetLife stadium where you had to trust the running game. Saquon kicked ass. DJ looked awesome with his legs until he broke, uh, sprained his ankle. Then Tyrod gets in, he gets a concussion. So I know we don't want any bad PR there. So um, it looks like coming into this game in, in London on Sunday morning. Awesome. We're going to either see Davis Webb or Jake Fromm come back. But uh, but till then, I think that's the best you could get out of as they are now going to be tested when you play at Green Bay, you play Baltimore, you play Jacksonville. But I think that, again, taking advantage of another weak team shows that this um, coaching staff is holding it together and they respect it. Are you excited for the Giants in that sense as I am? I'm excited. I just think they're so one-dimensional right now that they are – just good. They have a, they have their three one based on schedule right now. When easily they could be zero and four just because of the fact that they only re, their only way to score is oh, score or you know convert to first downs and keep the ball moving is running the ball. Like they have forty four carries for two hundred and sixty two yards and two touchdowns. That's that that's that's passing yard numbers. <laughs> that's passing yard numbers in a high octane offense. Like you had, you were nine, nine and 16 for 71 yards and in an interception passing. Like I need to see these passing numbers. I need to see Kenny Galladay. I need to see Tony. I need to see Darius. Like the, you have Darius Slayton, who's easily a number two receiver on any other team for some reason, isn't getting reps on your team. I'm just confused. Um, you pay people for a reason and you, you should go off a of veteran skill you need veterans in your you need veterans getting the opportunity to actually go down the field, get some separation and get, you know, open it up for Daniel Jones. I think it would help him out a lot. Uh, you know, when he comes back. I just that's that's your weakness. That's really is the defense looks good. It's just the receiving core and the connection between Jones or Tyrod or whoever it is in the receivers just isn't there. And that's my only worry. Um, with this coaching staff right now is when are we going to make adjustments in house? to get this fixed. My answer, I don't think they'll honestly wait till next year. Ride it out what they can. I uh, hope they have meaningful games in December. That's all I care about at this point. But yeah, I think Joe Shane and Brian Dayball know this is their team and willing to wait, at, wait it out with the rest of the Gettleman Corps. With the few people who can contribute to it, like you said, a um, Kadarius Tony. I don't know. They just, they just don't I don't play with him, but Andrew Thomas has been pretty solid for us. And um, everyone else with the offensive line can use some work, but I think um, they're there. I, I just see them and there's rumors that they'll just wait it out with those guys until they can have their own core and maybe even draft their own quarterback. That's the question coming into it. And um, I said last well, week, I don't know if Daniel Jones will return unless he has an MVP season or at least an all pro season. But, um, you know, him, another issue he's had is staying on the field. And uh, this ankle injury doesn't help his case. You were saying? Yeah, no, like that, that's it. Like his injury injury history is definitely not helping him right now. But if they are going to wait for the regime, 
maybe in, in my eyes, it might be good to just start cleaning slate and doing some trades. Like you do have a lot of, like there's a lot of teams that need serviceable receivers in the league right now. So like you could probably call up Tennessee and get rid of Slayton or Tony for, a, you know, a late round pick just to get some assets right now to help that regime out. Because if you're not doing anything like, yeah, you're three and one right now, but let's, we're not winning the Super Bowl. You know, guys, on, your goal is in the Super Bowl this year. It's called the way it is. Let's clean some house. You know, if you want to pay Saquon, pay Saquon. Either, either that or like trade him to like the Bills and just get yourself a ton of assets. Like you could do a lot right now and rebuild, I feel like, this, with this roster. Like they don't click all together, but you could sell them apart to make other cars. It's like a chop shop. Cut them up yep. and make some other cars work. Saquon's and leading get, the league in rushing yards at the moment. You can get a sausage yeah. round pick for that. You're saying yeah. you can get plenty more. I, I have faith that you could ride out at least the first third or the first half of the season, um, playing you know leaning heavy on Saquon. But I would you know I, I know it's just the Bears, but I would still be encouraged by keeping a team to 12 points. I mean, you had four sacks on your yeah. front four. Um, you were touched. You know, forced forced three turnovers. And for what it's worth, you guys were five of twelve on on third down. I think that's a really big improvement uh, week to week. Um, I look at third down efficiency as some kind of you know barometer for how the offense is clicking, regardless of the limitations with Daniel Jones. So I think there's a lot to improve on. And again, you know, as long as you're seeing improvements week to week, even with a reduced schedule, I think um, it's too early to tell. And for note, the NFL trade deadlines after Week Nine, November first. So there's a month to go. Yeah, plenty of time. Let's discuss Vegas, baby. Vegas, Alex, you got to win. No more losers. No more losers. Taking advantage of a Bronc of the uh, most confusing two and two Broncos team. <laughs> um, nah. So let's celebrate. Huge game on defense. It looks bleak at first, but Josh Jacobs helps finish them off. Still lots of questions on Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Happick, where the Broncos are going, leading the league at penalties. That's how you know you have a bad coaching staff when you have a lot of penalties. But you took advantage of it, staying into it, and um, huge win for Vegas. Talk to me about your team, Alex. Yeah, I was hyped. I, I felt like the 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 crowd really had like a electricity of desperation, I guess, if that's some kind of new category. Um, but uh, they they knew it was in the line the team came out, you know, with the right amount of urgency for once in their life. And, uh, you know, some of, you know, again, some of this with, uh, Denver becoming unidimensional, I think has to do with Javante Williams injury. Um, definitely mm-hmm. wish him in a speedy recovery. Um, even though I hate Denver's guts, but Jacobs, I was so, I was so pleasantly surprised. It, 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 it was such a nice flashback to 2016, 2017, when he was still wet behind the ears, raw in the league, coming out with that Khalil Mack defense and that Jack Del Rio offense. Uh, he really was like a, a huge spark and a, and a big reawakening for this offense. And I was pleasantly surprised to see how that offense held up. Um, the, uh, the Raiders only had 25 penalty yards for the entire game. They played a really clean game, which shows that the offensive line is not getting beat on their front four, not holding. And I know that um, Denver has a really solid defense top to bottom. Um, I, I, I saw I like what I saw with Devontae. He had a really solid game as well, mine for hundred yards. And um, you know, this is kind of the this is kind of the route that I want McDaniels to approach the offense with uh with card. Just not get overwhelmed, settle down, lean on the run game, you know, take the holes where you can get them and then play action with Devontae and uh Renfro Waller in the secondary. So 
I liked a lot of what I saw. And um, uh, the, the jury's still out on Denver, so that's for sure. All right. Okay. The, the slow blues for Denver. Russell Wilson. You are not earning your paycheck after four weeks. Here's best. And now I said, I say week six is when we really know who's good and who's bad. And we're getting close to that, but agreed. Deep breaths of your in Denver. Yo, Sunday night's game. Another primetime game for San Francisco. Jimmy G and Debo lead San Francisco to an impressive division win over Los Angeles. I think this game showed that Matt Stafford really seems to only have Cooper Cup. And that's it. Allen Robinson, bust. Um, the running game, whether you're Cam Anchors or Harrison Jr., bust. And um, San Francisco is having the opposite problem with their receiving core with Ayuka and Debo and Craig Kittle being healthy is always a good thing. And also their defense is dominant, especially arguably the best defensive line being led by Nick Bosa. Now with Jimmy G back, maybe things back to normal. I think San Francisco is one of the best teams in the NFC now. And the Trey Lance experiment, even though it ended in a really tragic circumstance, I think this ultimately was what they do. And maybe all San Francisco owes Jimmy G an apology. Do you guys agree with me on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. They should be kissing this guy's feet every single day. (laughs) Didn't complain. Didn't. I mean, he may have ghosted. Apparently he ghosted his TV. I would have too, though. I wouldn't have talked to anyone. If I knew it was out, I wouldn't want to cause anything to ruffle any feathers. I would have just had my nice Cali summer enjoyed and then would have got shipped off to another team. How many times did we talk about him getting possibly traded to, you know, X number of teams. And now like, I think it's I had a list that- of half the NFL, half the NFL. I was expecting to go after him. It was really the shoulder surgery. If he doesn't get the shoulder surgery, um, he gets traded. Yeah. And um, Which I, yeah. I, you were saying, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Now you they can really make a push. And um, though LA looked okay on defense, I think um, they really need to figure out what they're going to do. Cause you can't have Cooper cup do everything, even though he seems like that. <laughs> I mean, for another 14 reception, 135 plus yard game. No touchdowns, though. Um, but, yeah. And you, you can't know. let you can't let Stafford get sacked seven times either. Yeah, he was he was under duress all night, and I think that a lot of it, like you said, Matt, was Jefferson not being able to get separation and Cooper Cup just getting blanket in the center of the field. Um, I love what San Francisco did on defense throughout the entire game, but I have to push back just a little bit on the Jimmy G um, uh, blowjob fest here. And I just want to say that I think the real catalyst with this team, as far as they go, is going to be Debo. Um, I said that last year in the postseason, and I still stand by it. Um, I, I had questions with the injury the past two weeks, but he looks, he looks rock solid. And just going back to like that one highlight where he took it to the house, the way he shook off that defender was just like mean man on a mission going to the end zone. Oh, man, and that's another talk about fleeky defenders. Jalen Ramsey's really struggling. I mean, it, he started struggling at the end of last year, especially in the playoffs when Jamar Chase ran all over him in the Super Bowl, and I, he's not keeping up. With, you got to be upset if you're 
Los Angeles in this. And I, and I don't put too much stock in the Rams loss, but I put more stock for sure in the, in the Niners win because you want to see, you know, how they bounce back against adversaries in the conference. And I think for um, the Rams, I always had the agenda that they were going to kind of coast through the first half of the season. Um, just kind of preparing and, and reducing, you know, the wear and tear on their bodies as they go into the playoffs for another long run. So I'm not as discouraged about the Rams as maybe you guys are, but I want to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think they really miss Odell Beckham. I think the Allen Robinson signing was a complete bust. Um, we really, they should really send Robert Woods a fruit basket saying thank you for what you did um, in your time here because, he was a, a very underrated receiver that continu- continuously got the yardage they needed for first downs. If they weren't hitting Cooper Cup over the top or, you know, in his mid to deep into route running, uh, he, they got that chunk yardage. Um, I think it really falls down to the, at the end of the day is the offensive line. Um, it's in a rebuild. There's a free agency and retirements and, and injuries. And the run game is non-existent because of it. Uh, Cam Akers is looking more like a third down back than an actual North and South guy. So I think not having Sony Michelle sucks. Uh, and I think that the receiving core now is really it's cup and Higby. Uh, you know, they don't have Van Jefferson. Robinson yeah. is not who he once was. Uh, so, you know, you have to now rely heavy on a defense um, that is Asian it's an aging defense, you know, Jalen Ramsey's old for a top cornerback. If you think about it, you know what I mean? He's, he's, you know, he's heading towards his, his late twenties. That's when cornerbacks really it's, it's either athleticism or skill. And it's either they lose one and they gain the other. So we need to see if he continues to improve his skill to stop his body from aging. Um, and then with the 49ers, you know, all three phases of football, they won. They, I, I think that they, they're just a well-disciplined team that knows how to play football on all three sides of it. So I think with a game manager like Jimmy G, they should be favorites for the division right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sure the Rams really miss um, Whitworth this year as well. On that huge online. miss, huge Absolutely. miss. Absolutely. Yep. All right, gentlemen, next Kansas City Chiefs route the Bucks on Sunday night. Despite Bucks making a fight at the end, I think this first game shows that Mahomes can make it work with his receiving core, with any of his receivers, even without Tyreek Hill. Um, Kansas City was just so dominant against a really good Bucks defense. Brady does throw 52 times with almost 400 yards, but still not enough. And um, it does come out that Tom Brady... Um, is having major off the field issues, allegedly that him and his wife Giselle Bunchen are are um, are hiring divorce lawyers. Doesn't isn't um, reported that someone filed for a divorce, so that's a weird report. But regardless, that is definitely something to discuss with this. But before we get into the gossip, let's focus on the football part of this first. First, the Chiefs. Oh man, Patrick Mahomes. I, kudos to you. You made it really good. And like I said, I guess a good buck defense on the road. Um, that's something to um, pay attention to. Do you guys think the same? I think that the team is clicking finally and the receiving, the receivers are getting the, you know, 
they get they're clicking. It, or like the whole offense is just starting to click. It's, I could say click, click, click. That's all they're doing. You know, especially and, with uh, Kelsey playing. When Kelsey has a good game, you have a good chance of winning it. No, the one exactly loss he so. did. The one loss he had, they had against Colts, he didn't show up, and almost lost in that loss against Los Angeles Chargers. So that's something to keep on. Um, didn't mean to interrupt, but you were saying. Yeah, like they got guys like Van, uh, Valdez, Scantling, Juju, Sky Moore, McCole Harbin is non-existent, but like the hope is he like comes and plays. Uh, when Cal, when Kelsey opens up the field and gets yardage, everyone else starts eating. That's just how it is. And I'm really impressed with their running game. I had some worries yeah. about Edward Tolaire, um, but you know, 19 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. And then Isaiah uh, Pacheco, 11 carries for 63 like they, they're moving the ball and they could actually sustain you know they could run out clock which is very important for a team like this um and then with the buccaneers you know it's a hard game i think they played well they came back towards the end which was nice to see mike evans had a good game you know as people get healthier they're going to get better and better you know the receiving core is at full health right now i think at the end of the day this is just one of those teams that is gonna coast a little bit around 500 for the first half of the season while they figure out their identity and Tom Brady figures out what he actually wants to do with his life at the age of 45. Um, and once that becomes apparent, then I think they're going to, you know, take off from there. Yeah. I think there was a lot of encouraging things from Kansas city. Um, the dominating the run game, um, 189 to literally three yards um, has been tremendously concerning for Tampa, but I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave that for the moment and Kansas city um, just blowing up the run game. Um, and they also dominated time of possession, which we haven't brought up yet. Third down, 12-17, exceptional on Mahomes' part. Um, he was just ridiculous all night. Um, for me, what really concerns me with Tampa that I didn't see um, expect this early on in the season is that you can't have Brady throwing 52 times, and you can't have um, you know a non-existent rush run game. So. They're going to have to, um, you know, revamp things. I think they should probably um, spend more time with Brian Leftwich mixing up, you know, some of the, the play call because um, even even if you um, don't plan to have a balanced run game attack, um, you have to mix it up and you have to um, you have to you know throw some psyops out there. So at least keep the defense honest. So whether you're running Lenny or Rashad White, um, you got to mix some things up. And I think that. Uh, this offense could uh, be a little more gelling. Um, but I think that all the options off field issues with um, Tom is actually going to um, improve him. I think it's just going to get him fired up and more pissed. And as long as he has Mike, Mike Evans and, um, and Godwin, I think he'll be okay. Do you hold any truth to these reports or do you think people are just looking to more gossips and paparazzi shit stirring. I don't know. It must suck to um it must really suck to try to play your full season and more people are throwing down your throats. Um your marriage issues. You have Antonio Brown, which you know that's already enough of a joke, post about your wife and then all this and that and the other. Zach Wilson people say Zach Wilson's gonna bag that that Pete Davis yeah. is coming in there. It's it's not fair. But I think um Tom Brady seems to be the one guy at least this could really prove that he he's not phased by such BS like that. And he'll show another reason why he's the GOAT. And just a win on this particular game against Atlanta would be a huge step for him, who have some good momentum going ahead, you know? I'll say this. Go ahead. I'll say this. Hey, don't break promises to your wife. This is what happens. You get in trouble. 
<laughs> home, home life, home. You know, you played. You know, you played it. How many years now? You could have just hung out with the kids. Decided not to, and now he's having problems, and it could affect the team. It's very. I, I could easily see him waking up one day and saying, "Listen, I have to call it a career. My wife is about to divorce me." That's, yeah, that's that's what that's one thing I wonder. Would he really call it a career in the middle of a season to save no, his marriage? No, no. This is. This is like the watershed moment with Jordan where he just needed an extra just a freaking drop of juice just to get him fired up and pissed again. I think he's wired the exact same way for a reason. And I think that his, um, you know, his hesitancy to retire and then come back to the game, it probably pissed Giselle off where it was the last straw, at least for as far as we know. But also, furthermore, um, this was like the boost, the uh, the turbo engine that he needed switched on. I think that he's so hyper-focused and hyper-motivated um, with all the sacrifices in his diet and all the money he spends on his body. Like, I think he's, he's, he's poised for um, a, a real stretch here where he's going to overcome a lot of shit with this offense and his shortcomings, but I also think that they could probably string off a whole ton of wins. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, Rodgers has a bad start, but he's able to beat the Patriots at Lambeau, trying to show that his new Leopards could be legit, whether it's Dobbs or Lazard. Good game for the defense. And um, now after a third-string quarterback, they're getting this dude Zappy in there. Um, I think this game really shows that the Patriots are really having a taste of their own medicine. What comes around, go. What goes around really comes around, and um, they are in last place in Week Four. I'm taking this one first because I'm going to hold Mr. Matt Brown to the carpet right now. This All right, dude let's do it. Had to go to overtime to beat a third-string rookie quarterback with no semblance of an offense and no game to speak of, and he barely he went 21 of 35 with a pick. And, and was overthrown and underthrown guys all night long. I feel so vindicated as the weeks go by. The floor is yours, gentlemen. But the still dude was still able to pull off a win, was still able to get in the right place at the right time in the right field. I do agree that it was too close for comfort, and I won't take that away, but I still think that Mr. Rogers in four weeks in at three and one can still hold this team into a good position coming through. Now, if it is like this at three weeks and say there's a hedge coming in where even my team somehow, um, whether my team puts some pressure on Mr. Rogers, maybe Kevon Thibodeau could actually have a breakout game in his first two weeks. Then I think you have a valued argument, but for now, I think he's still, he's still growing a chemistry with these receivers, especially with Lazard and Dobbs. I think Dobbs especially could be a huge factor for him in the offense. Before you jump in, Brian, that's a good point, Matt. Um, Yeah, they have very winnable games ahead, you know, outside of the Giants games. I think that'll be closer um, than you guys think. And we'll save that for the final segment. But um, I do like, I do like the fact that, you know, you still got Aaron Jones going 16 for 110 and AJ Dillon for 73 yards. I still do think that this should be a run first offense. If you're going to have more success out of this team. Um, and I think that definitely the rapport with Lazar is uh, got to be heartwarming as well um, for this, this uh, receiving core. That's a good point too. Maybe if that is the hump, especially in the playoffs, 
Let's focus more on the running game, assuming they're healthy in January. Then that might be one of the most genius things to point out uh, coming into this game. Instead of having Rodgers running it, uh, throwing his heart out, let's go to the ground game. What movie, you know, whatever sports movie cliches, they completely change um, or makes them great to give them the big win. Um, that could be a case there. Maybe I still think that their biggest test is like they have a, they have a ridiculously easy schedule this year, yeah. uh, and in my opinion, their real test is Week Ten against my Cowboys because by then that offense should be clicking, and if they do not do well against Dallas's defense, which is in my opinion the number one defense in the league right now, just based on their what they're doing is ridiculous. Uh, them and the Eagles are probably, you know, number one and two, depending on what you're looking at. If they don't click against, say again? Right. Yeah, Buffalo's hurt, though. They're in, Buffalo's fool's gold right now. Buffalo's entire secondary is damaged. Uh, Dallas is gonna, is completely healthy right now, minus one guy right now. And even with their depth, they're still playing great. If they don't click by Dallas, they're in trouble. That's my, that's, that's my breaking point for them. Because after that, they go Tennessee, Philadelphia, Chicago Rams, Miami, Minnesota, Detroit. Like, they're going to get in some tough spots by then. Philly's think, hard. Tennessee will be hard. Well, I, I think that I think that home game in Detroit in three weeks will actually be tougher than people think. But I also think that Buffalo is going to wipe them in in at home in Buffalo. So. Philly yeah. stays undefeated after being down fourteen and nothing against Jacksonville at one point. Huge game for A.J. Brown AJ and Miles Saunders. Um, it seems to be really clicking for that Eagles offense and maybe on the brink of a really good Eagles defense. I think they're good, not great. And um, that's the one thing that they need to go over the hump to really believe that this is a legit undefeated. Um, this could be a legit number one team in the NFC. Definitely give them credit for going 0-4. I don't know if they're a dominant or favorite just yet. That defense still needs to be more... That defense still needs to really close in and limit the yardage they give up, especially, um, especially in the air. That's a problem for them. But... Got to give him kudos. That team looks really good. Jalen Hurts might show that he's a legit quarterback in this league. Are the Eagles a number one favorite in your eyes now? I still think they're almost there. (laughs) Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, I think the defense played great against this uh, Jaguars team, which I think is very underrated and a machine in the passing game. You held Trevor Lawrence to 174 yards. Yes, he had two touchdowns, but you know, that's what I expect a quarterback to do is put up two, about two touchdowns a game in the NFL um, of his caliber. Um, they had the interception, and they only held him to 71 rushing yards. So, like, in my eyes, they had a great game on defense. They sacked him four times, had an interception. I'm pretty sure there's a few uh, – yeah, there was five fumbles in the game. So, they played well. Um, the team overall, overall is extremely balanced. And I think this is more of a, a – this is a win and a loss for, ja- for the Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a good team at two yeah. and two right now. They are very, they're going to win their division. They're a good team. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to win it. Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win their division. They are a good wow. team. This offense is electric and the defense is young and angry. I love to see it. And I want to see more. You have a rebuttal with that, Alex? 
No, I mean, I'm just shocked by the Overton window shifting to a division crown because I think they're way ahead of schedule with that prediction. But um, I was highly encouraged by uh, both scenarios because while I don't think that Philly has proven itself as like a unanimous number one seed in the NFC um, forecasted for the rest of the this, this season, I do think that they have um, allowed and shown that they can win on both sides of the ball to bring home OW. And I think that they have multiple ways to win, even when they're down double digits, because they went down 14 nothing. They didn't get away from the run game. They relied on Jalen Hurts in certain situations to not be too pressured by the moment. And I think that with Jacksonville, um, it's a win, you know, wrapped up within a loss, like Brian said, because I think they did a tremendous amount of things. They show a lot of heart and a lot of grit. And they played a, a fairly clean game. They didn't have a ton of um, penalty yards. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence had two touchdowns. That was pretty impressive. And, um, you know, they had a pretty even distribution with the run and pass game. So um, I, I like a lot of what I have to see there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cooper Rush stays undefeated, defeating the Commanders, who are so annoying to watch. The Commanders are such a joke. I hate them. I hate Antonio Gibson for fantasy selfishly. Um, but, yeah. As Washington continues to have their problems, does the quarterback now have a quarterback problem? Let's throw it off to the Cowboys fan. Brian, talk to me about your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I'd love to see it. They're three and well, uh, three and one in through week four. I expected their record to be three and one. So the real test now is going to be against the Rams, which I really think isn't that much of a test now after um, the 49ers game, because I've always said throughout the years, you even know this, in my opinion, uh, the number one team to look in the mirror for Dallas is the 49ers because of the way they're built. Uh, you know, two great defenses running back by committees with a good receiving core and a game manager plus kind of quarterback. That's what those teams have. And in my eyes, I think they should do a very similar uh, style of play call and game against the Rams next week. So that should be good. But this game, uh, you know, Cooper Rush looked great. He's a game manager. You know, I'm still, I, you know, after the Rams, if he would, if he beats the Rams, there's a quarterback controversy just because of you won four straight. Like, you might have to play the hot hand. My only, the only good thing about the injury to Dak is that it is six to eight weeks. So it's like they can say that he needs more time and not make it a quarterback controversy, but more of like a, in disguise, he's hurt. But really, we want to see if Cooper could continue to, get the hot hand because in my opinion if he goes five and oh you have to leave him in until he throws three interceptions and just see what happens because in my opinion as long as you're winning the game it doesn't really matter who's playing and if Dak could continue to get three more weeks and then get healthy and play half a season from week eight on then I'm okay with that it is what it is and then we have Cooper to go rely on uh so that should be exciting Washington dumpster fire don't even want to talk about them except I feel bad for Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson because they have an incompetent, ice-cold, 50-50, hot-cold kind of quarterback. They, they really have no idea what they're going to get from him any day of the week. And I also feel bad for Tyler Heine, uh, Taylor Heineke. He is – Wentz is not much of an upgrade for him, and he lost his starting job, and I feel bad for him because I think he would have at least made Washington a little interesting. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. what it is on that one. Yeah, I mean, 
at this point, Washington's pretty much sealed their fate. Um, well, I mean, at, let me put it this way. At least Carson Wentz has certainly sealed his fate. I think he um, is going to be out of the league very, very soon. Um, didn't have a lot of expectations with this team coming into the end of the season, but um, it, they, they've pretty much, uh, they've pretty much wrapped things up in a nice bow for themselves. I think with Dallas, um, like you said, Brian, I think a way to kind of, you know, keep, you know, uh, to bury the lead and keep, you know, the lead, the media at bay here is to kind of, you know, continue to, uh, progress with Cooper Rush, you know, till the till the wheels fall off, and um, keep that window of return for Dak um, a little um, extended because I don't think that there is any need to really answer for the the QB controversy, but it is difficult to kind of you know answer to the fact that you're paying your guy forty million and he's underproducing as well. So I think that there's a lot to um, a lot that will unfold the next four weeks or so. I think um, my only criticism, I think from this game, because I think a lot of this was a lot of um, what the defense gives you in terms of um, Dallas's approach to their offense, uh, the efficiency that they brought to the table is I think returning back to a 60, 40 or 65, 35 split with the touches in accordance to Elliott and Pollard, I think will, um, will be a better, uh, a better diet with this offense. Um, Absolutely. but I like what I saw with Cooper Rush. He's not overthinking the moment. Um, I think that he's got uh, a few more weeks on his leash. So, Yeah, I'll add one thing, though. The only thing I'm not liking about the play calling is just because of how um, less the offensive line is, I'm disappointed in the offensive play calling of not using an extra fullback or tight end in the backfield just to get another rusher because – Ezekiel Elliott's averaging 3.8 yards per carry, and I've watched every single game. It's not that he's slow. He is slow, but he is slower now. But he's not because he's slow or walking and he's getting, you know, just not getting there. He's the, the offensive line is not getting movement like it used to. And, you know, for a north and south runner, that's very detrimental. That's why you have a guy like Pollard who does better because he's a more sideline to sideline guy. He's getting right. cornerbacks, not interior linemen and linebackers like Elliott does. Yeah. They need to find a way to help him with the ball. So if that means, you know, him doing more zone and pull, you know, pulling guards and having, you know, some tight ends go in motion, they need to figure that out, how to open it for him because he's their best, he's their best athlete on offense. They yeah. need to figure a way how to make him make him statistically better. Yeah, like what you said, when when you have a subpar offense, uh, offensive line, um, just at least temporarily with the with with the injuries piling up, I think they got to run a lot of stuff east to west, and I think that um, you know, kind of pressing. Uh, um, who's the play caller they got? Um, uh, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. I think pressing him, you know, in in. in in the running back, you know, with the running backs group, but just, you know, try to get some more jet sweeps, a little more pick plays, like you said, with the halfback or the fullback, um, just kind of, you know, spice things up and, and, and keep the defense honest, I think will help them open up some of the, their offensive woes and try to reduce the three and outs and punts. I think, um, Another thing, too, is kind of if you're going to return to the field, um, to the center of the field, I, I would try to, you know, the guy we haven't brought up yet, he's a smaller piece of the pie, is Dalton Schultz. I think getting maybe him some touches in the center of the field might open yes. things and boost confidence for uh, uh, with Cooper Rush as well. Absolutely. We have undefeated against the spread Atlanta Falcons. They get another win. They keep their winning streak alive. Um. They beat Cleveland at home. 
Cleveland's running duo of Hunt and Chubb is so damn good. You just wished everything else would work for the team, and they had a legit quarterback. But Atlanta wins. Another tough loss for Cleveland. What do we get out of this one? I think this was low-key one of the most exciting games of the weekend, to be honest. It was obviously on nobody's radar besides the local fans, but, um, you know, Chubb was sensational and uh, as usual. And I thought that Jacoby Prezet, you know, for, for outside of the one interception, I thought he actually played a phenomenal game. Um, it was crazy to see how things transpired. I think what really turned the tides was um, the first quarter fumble with, um, with Cleveland. And, um, and as the, as the game went on, uh, towards this end of the second quarter before the half, not converting on that touchdown really, really set them back. And it felt like it changed the um, the energy in the stadium and in Atlanta's favor. So I think outside of those tide shifts, I think that this was a really more competitive game than it was set on paper. And I thought that, um, um, you know, I mean, look, Atlanta, as long as they keep things entertaining and exciting and you so show, um, you know, improvement week to week, with Arthur Smith and Kyle Pitts and some of the new, the core nucleus they have with the young players. Um, that's all you can really expect. But I thought this was a huge surprise win in one of the underrated games of the weekend. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, I'm really like, I'm liking this Atlanta team. I think Marcus Mariota is playing. Okay. I think he can play better. I think I might just be a product of the offensive line and situations he gets in because of the defense. He has to bail them out a lot when they're behind. <laughs> Uh, but this <laughs> offense looks really good. I would love to see another year with them on, you know, based on the first four games after the season, if it continues this way, I would love to see them run it back just because of if they're exciting, you know, Patterson's going to come back in four games because of that knee injury. Like they, they got, they got something here in Atlanta. Uh, and then with the Browns, I'm very, you know, I think on offense, they did, they did good. I think it comes down to the defense. You know, you're missing Clowney and Garrett, which sucks. And the secondary is supposed to be all this, you know, rookie, you know, rookie contract, potential first round pick players that they drafted like Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. Like, where are you? Yeah. Where are yeah. you? That's, yeah. That's, that's the question. Yeah, because that offense for Atlanta was limited, but um, so you would kind of expect them to be kind of headhunting all over the field in the secondary. But I think the reason that this game was so dynamic and back and forth is because these teams, two, two teams particularly, um, had two different sets of expectations going into the season, but they're really playing with house money and they're able to try a lot of things and, you know, spread the ball on offense and, and, and try some things out on defense. So I think that because of that, those circumstances with these two teams, um, that was why it was such an exciting game. Jefferson comes back to form for Minnesota. They get back in a groove in London. A double doink creates an L for the Saints, bringing in Andy Dalton. Nothing seems to change. Nola has another tough, tough loss for them. And I really thought they could possibly be a playoff team at one point in my head. And um, I don't know. Their, their quarterback identity crisis clearly is – really affecting them. But Minnesota stays three and one. Kirk Cousins just needs to win in prime time. And um, you have something really going for them and a good uh, game for the Minnesota defense. So um, what do you get out, especially with New Orleans? Is it time to panic for New Orleans first? We'll we'll focus on that. I don't think it's time to panic. I, I was very realistic with this team in the preseason um, I really don't think it's a quarterback problem. I just think that they're overall um, a subpar roster. 
um, just because of the offensive line uh, with injuries, and they lost Teron Armstead to the Dolphins. That sucked. Um, you know, uh, Alvin Kamara is injury prone. Uh, Mark Ingram's 150 years old, and Latavius Murray, who they brought up from the practice squad, is now picked up by the Broncos to be the replacement for Javante Williams. So. We now have Taysom Hill and Mark Ingram, depending on when Kamara gets back. That's not doing you any good service. And when it comes to receiving core, you know, the a rookie and uh, is doing great. But, you know, Jarvis Landry just needs more touches, in my opinion. Two catches for seven yards, and he was only targeted twice is an issue. And, uh, you know, the defense is overrated right now just because of the secondary. They're just not playing well. Uh, they should have kept C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I don't know what they were thinking, but it just, yeah, it comes down to, I think a defense is overrated and, but we're also got to give credit to the Vikings. They're a great offense. So yeah. this is just one of those games where, you know, you put up 25 points, but your defense held a team that could easily score 40 points to 28. It happens. Yeah. It didn't go your way. That's the game of name of the game. Uh, Jefferson and Thielen, kudos to them. One, two duo. Love to see it. Love to see the chemistry. Kirk Cousins, I want to see play better, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's tough um, just to piggyback off that, Brian. It's tough to watch a team, you know, with a start with a with a backup quarterback to start and having the injuries decimate your um, your offensive side of the ball. Um, I think that, you know, the reason that I was kind of contingent on a seven and ten win, uh, I mean, a seven and ten team for uh, uh output for new Orleans this year was because we really didn't know what we were going to get, um, with their offense and with Jameis Winston. And I think that really, um, you know, rears its ugly head with, you know, the, the absence of Michael Thomas, I personally expected a little more out of Jarvis Landry coming into the offseason to kind of step into that number two role and eventually elevate to the number one, you know, if Michael Thomas was to get injured again, for some per, uh, reason, but that really hasn't materialized. And I think that is a big part of their offensive woes as well. Um, the other thing we hadn't really mentioned was the penalties really decimated them. They had 10 penalties for 102 yards, which really um, hamstrung them throughout the game, um, even though they were able to keep, you know, within field goal range um, for an overtime game. Um, but I think that in the short term, they're going to have, um, they're going to continue their slide as long as Dalton is their starter, um, just until Jameis comes back, because I don't think that this team with Dennis Allen trusts Taysom Hill, regardless of how long he's been in the system. And I think that until yeah, Kamara, that, that's very telling. You would think that they, if they, if Sean Payton trusted that at one point, they don't want to, um, they don't want to try with Dalton or um, Winston. <clears throat> I mean, they're doing it their way with them, and it's yeah. not working. And it's well, even, it, yeah, it's even, even more, yeah. Sorry, you go. Oh, sorry. I have one little last thing. Um, yeah. It, what makes it even uh, a compounding issue even further is because the fact that you have Kamara out. So you're already a one dimensional offense and you can't really rely like you could in recent years past to dominate on the defensive side of the ball, because now you have Dennis Allen elevated to calling the shots across the entire coaching staff and not just focusing on what he's best at. So I think that in all three phases, they're really hurting like they never have been. And I think that's why you're seeing a drop off in production with this team. What I was just going to add to it, if you really think about it, Andy Dalton played a very good game. He had a QBR of 60 and a Q quarterback rating of 108.6, 20 or 28, 236 and a touchdown. He's doing the job. At the end of the day, it just comes down to the fact that they don't have the breakaway plays and the first down, con- the you know third and short conversions that you get from Kamara and a, and a younger Mark Ingram duo. 
That is the issue. You can't stretch the field because you don't have a downfield threat and you don't have a quarterback that can bring it there. And I think like, again, if they're not going to mitigate some of the the correctional errors with the penalties, um, they're just, they're just upsetting themselves moving forward. I think those 102 yards where the penalties really, really hurt them. I think eventually Chris Olav, the first round pick could be that guy. And he has broke up, broke out in a couple of games, but still they're not getting it to him. And he still has a ways to go there. And they did make a push towards the end. You know, made that big play to get him in field goal range, but a double doink is the worst. Wow, we did a solid five minutes on New Orleans. Uh, um, very, it wasn't very. What? And I said it wasn't for a hurricane. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. A, a solid two minute break for football. I just, you know. Aaron, like I said, the top of the show, Aaron Jets is 62. Amazing, amazing. And we'll talk about that with MLB postseason pod. But um, if you've seen the home run, guys, that this guy jumps off the ledge and it's 10 rows behind him. The guy, he hit it straight to a guy and he caught it, a VP of a hedge fund, because he definitely needs the money. But I just can't. I'm dying at the kid who jumps off the ledge to try to catch it. Wow. Would you have done that? Oh, yeah. I would I would have punched someone in the face with that ball. Yeah, but he literally it was nowhere close. It looks like he just he literally just said it just to send it. And that's that's just hilarious. I'm sorry. I just had to share that. <laughs> Hopefully that VP of a hedge fund that's worth one point that's worth $197 million gives it back to him. Just want to put that out. Hell the hell the Yankees can pay for it. Oh man, just give it back. <laughs> give it give it back to him. But like I said, um MLB coverage coming up soon throughout the week. All right, back to football. Let's talk about Trash Baker Mayfield. Doesn't look good against the Cardinals. Very bad second half. Christian McCaffrey, you know, people wonder if he was even going to play. He doesn't show up on the rushing side. Did play well receiving. But um, Matt Rule, I think he's on the hot seat for Carolina. Uh, Sam Donald's about to come back from the injury report. Uh, Sorry, from the injury list. Um, Tyler does play well. And um, yeah, dude, I think the big story is how bad the uh, Panthers look. Look really, really bad. They're so bad. They're just terrible. I feel bad. I feel bad. You know what I really feel bad about? This offense has weapons. Yeah. And and it's a real conversation to be had when Darnold comes back from IR. If you have to start him just to get a little change of pace, because at this rate, they should just trade DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, and LaVisca Chenault to like a team like Green Bay that needs a receiver right now just to add it just to get assets because it's it's just sad. Baker Mayfield's a bum. I just, you know, is you he know, done? We are of 7.4. Is Baker Mayfield, is his days numbered as a starter in the NFL? I'd rather have Drew Locke as quarterback right now, and I'm not even kidding because at least he's a little bit taller and can see over the offensive line. <laughs> on the on the you know on the side of the Cardinals, uh, good game by Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz, but more importantly, JJ Watt played after going into AFib. AFib got his heart shocked. Yeah, and went back to practice and played a good week, and he played a good game. Kudos to him. But he also has a baby on the way, so he got a little emotional in the press conference because he thought he was going to be in severe trouble. So I hope his health is back to the way it was. And, uh, yeah, in a very boring waste of a time game. You know, <laughs> we have criticized the Cardinals team. And um, do you think after this game there's there that criticism still 
Um, valid or nah? I think they're still valid. Mm-hmm. It beat the um, Panthers. Yeah, I did, right. well, I think with Arizona, you know, like, again, if you're resetting expectations, I had them backdooring into the last um, wild card spot, and I think that they can still do that by virtue of their schedule. But I think for Carolina, um, I think one culprit we haven't mentioned yet that really is um, a, a, a fault of the offensive uh, struggles in addition to Baker Mayfield is your man, Matt, Mr. Ben McAdoo, because he just showed up on their time and they didn't have these kinds of struggles last year, um, you know, even with less talent with uh, McCaffrey being out. So I understand that we're, you know, upset with, um, you know, with the, with the scheduled return with McCaffrey not having the burst that he did. But it's also by virtue of having more of a conservative agenda with his um, with his injuries moving forward. But I think that there's truth to be said that maybe McAdoo doesn't make it past one year, but I would not necessarily just throw the baby out with the bathwater and fire Matt Rule immediately. But again, in, you know, speaking out of the other side of my mouth, we know that this owner is kind of like the Steve Ballmer of the Clippers. He's mm-hmm. very progressive very forward moving and he'll he'll get off people if he doesn't feel like this team's moving in the right direction all right all right buffalo has a nail-biting victory over the ravens i think it's the first tough game for lamar jackson yet he still played well buffalo stays good even though with their injury problems do we feel this dominant team that we talked about at the beginning that they're just going through the blues and they just need their solid defensive defensive um, assets back? Or do we think that um, they're, they're just fine? We'll start with that, and then we'll focus on uh, Baltimore. I think Buffalo's in trouble. You do? I think Buffalo's in trouble. I think that – I don't know. I think it's crazy. Oh, and I, when I, they, you know, they put up a good statistical game. Josh Allen had an okay game. But I just don't like the fact that, you know – Gabe Davis is not getting the targets he needs. As yeah, a, what as happened? A, After week one, he gone. was dope. And then, you know, now it seems like they're going to Isaiah Moore. Um, McKenzie, okay, he's McKenzie. hurt now. He's hurt yeah. now. Jameson Crowder broke his ankle. He's going to be done. So now they have Dawson Knox, who's an overpaid tight end. And they have Stefan Diggs. And I want to see – I hope Gabe Davis doesn't, isn't a fluke, but, you know – Josh Allen had the most rushing yards. They don't have a running game. It's a problem I see. And the defense is not the way they once were just because of injuries right now. So I think they could be in trouble in the next few games. Just be, they're going to be, I mean, in trouble. I don't mean they're not going to make the playoffs. I just mean, it's going to be a lot harder for them in the next few games. I would say five weeks to really be them true, be their true selves. And the issue with Buffalo always is the mental side of games because they're constantly getting themselves psyched out throughout the years. The four falls of Buffalo constantly not getting, be able to get past the chiefs in the playoffs and whatnot. So, you know, I think there's some problems right now with them psychologically. They're in a little funk and I want to see them get out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put too much stock in the woes that Buffalo had. I agree with you that there is definitely some concern, especially with our expectations being, you know, possibly the AFC representer in the in the Super Bowl. But I think that there's um, – I just think that, you know, this is week four. Um, Baltimore is a great team. I think they're a resilient team. And and we got to remember that they, they, they're they coming off the heels of a really tough loss against Miami. So you knew that they had a lot to prove at home. So when you factor in that context with the adversary that Buffalo is facing on the road, bad weather, 
Um, I think a resilient come from behind win is probably more of a plus than it is a negative, but I also understand the concerns and I want to delineate the two concerns because I think there's definitely a more justified concern with the health over the span of a full season with this roster than there actually is with the offense and defense clicking. I think that throughout the season, I think that this team can continue to gel and get back on track with the balance in three phases of the, of the football but I think that definitely injuries are a concern. And I think that, you know, maybe Josh Allen, um, you know, shifting the game plan away from um, Isaiah McKenzie temporarily due to the injury and being questionable, I think could be part of, um, could be kind of a defect. I will say that with, uh, with the Ravens, what's deeply concerning for them as I had them as a wild card is that now you have Justice Hill out with an injury um, he came up hobbing. Um, he came up hobbled in the third quarter. And what what the hell happened to Mark Andrews? Two receptions for 15 yards. Um, he got he got t- totally taken out of the game. Um, so I think that recentering the offensive structure um, in the secondary and making that second level about Mark Andrews as the focal point of that offense is really going to get them back on track. And Rashad Bateman's out. Yep. Yeah. So I think there's, I think, I think there's, you know, just to, to wrap it up, long story short, I think that, um, the, you know, two things can be true with, with Buffalo. We can have concerns with the injuries um, and the, and the, you know, the stagnation of the, of the seasons thus far. And we can also, you know, understand that this offense is going to continue to evolve through as the season goes on. But I think that the Ravens particularly are, have a lot of questions to be answered as well with two difficult losses, particularly at home. Yeah, and we know how how demoralizing the injury bug hit Baltimore last year. Yeah, and that was they don't. I'm not saying that this is going to happen again. Regardless, October just started, but you know, like you guys just listed the the huge losses, it could be exactly that. But let's see what let's see if they could do. If Lamar's going to stay playing an MVP, maybe he can uh, make it work with. Uh, yeah, roughing the call. The roughing the passer call really screwed them too at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Do the officials have had their way so far this yeah. season in general for all 32 teams? Yeah. Fucking A. Indiana looks so lost. They lose to Tennessee with a return to form. Derrick Henry. Let's answer the question now. Are the Indianapolis Colts a bad football team? Yes. I think so, especially with the fact that Matt Ryan looks like his best days are behind him. Michael Pittman is well, the fuck. Jonathan Taylor. How about all the suckers who in fantasy who drafted him number one overall? He's not up to par in the first four weeks. The defense is a joke being missed up all over the place. Indianapolis, even with their respected coach of Frank Wright, have major issues. What's yeah. going on with uh, off, the Colts? I'm jumping ship on Indianapolis. Um, uh, that was definitely the biggest swing and miss for me. I was a lot hotter on this team than most people outside of our click goes. But um, I, I think that definitely, like you said, Matt, um, a lot of this has to do with Matt Ryan's best days. Mm-hmm. being. I think that this game in particular was more about shutting down Jonathan Taylor, which they did, of course. Um and you know they they allowed Mel Cox to get off. He had a he had a he had a big game, but outside of that, um, Tennessee really turned this team one dimensional. It seems like they have their number for the season, um, and in years past too. 
Uh, Derrick Henry looks back. He looks um, back to full health and full strength. He's a monster. He had over five yards per carry, 114 on 22. And, you know, again, like Brian said in, in the past, as most people have, this team goes as far as Tannehill will take them without, you know, getting in his own way. So if they can game manage their way back into winning this division, we'll see if it's a two-horse race between Tennessee and Jacksonville. Yeah, I couldn't say any better. Uh, ten- Tennessee, you know, is going to be the near 500, and then they're going to either break – and go, you know, seven and ten, or they're going to go ten and seven. It's just how it's just, you know, what happens if they're really the most coin coin toss team in the league right now. And Colts, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. Now with Jonathan Taylor hurt, uh, you know, I would love. I I don't know. I don't know. I, they don't make sense to me. Outside of San Francisco and Philadelphia, I thought that the um the Indianapolis team front to back, all three phases of the, of the ball had probably the best roster in football. Absolutely. And it could just be that, you know, quarterback is the, the number, the most important position in the NFL, in my opinion, and they might just yeah, need to draft a quarterback. quarterback. They need to draft a quarterback. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they also don't want another wasted year with so much momentum, but it may be exactly that sad, 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 sad. Matt Ryan, one of the most, What's the word I'm looking for? Not underwhelming per se. He's won an MVP. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I should have won it. He should have won Super Bowl 52. It was the defense who just choked out. Him. Then and he, the, thing with, the thing with that season, too, is that a lot of that was by virtue of having a down division and, a, and, a, and an easy, weaselly kind of conference right. Super Bowl. So some of it was that. But Fluke uh, went against the Rodgers and the Packers at NFC Championship, yeah. too. But he's Pete Julio, though. He had Pete Julio, but he also had a, a two-headed sword in uh, Devontae Freeman, and I'm trying to remember the other running back. Too. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman. Yeah, they were monsters. Sick. Then he yeah. went to the Jets and never did anything. Yep. Football is one weird fucking sport. Okay, Austin Eckler has a breakout game. Gets three touchdowns. Herbert destroys. Houston's coasting. Um... I thought that they were going to upset. I was clearly wrong, but I think now that Houston is just like I said, they're just coasting. What 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 could what could I say? They they're um this this Davis Mills shows promise, but everything else, especially the um, running game, is really weird. We have Rex Chapman as the as the guy who keeps to, seems to be making more noise than anyone, and that's barely any. Um, yeah, L.A. They got Damian Pierce at the running game that's been had two really good games so far. Mm-hmm. He's been doing well. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I have Damian Pierce in fantasy. So he's doing – listen, you can only do so much. Um, the team obviously is not there yet, but they're ahead of schedule. I still don't think they're the worst team in the NFL, though, even though they haven't had a win. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, I just I'm, – I'm – I had to push back a little on Matt. I think the body language shows that this team is still resilient and they have a lot of fight. Um, yeah. I, do, I do like what I see from Davis Mills. I just think that he has um, so many um, – he has he just has so many miscues with um, some of the interceptions um, and turning the ball over. I think that's – Yeah, when Brandon Cooks is your number one, what are you, you going to do? No, I, I totally understand that. But I think, you know, even with all that, you know, the Chargers defense is loaded and they definitely got to him. But they also wouldn't have let Davis Mills throw 35 times if they didn't think he had any talent. I think that 
Um, this team is, you know, they, they, they may be ahead of schedule regardless of their, um, their, their record. And I think that, um, they're definitely a far more interesting team than I could have even, um, expected, but I just want to say one thing about, um, Chargers as well is that, um, I thought they looked phenomenal on both sides of the ball. I think the defense stepped up even with Herbert having a slow start out of the gate. Um, obviously he was stellar for the remainder. He had, you know, 342 TDs. Um, had a balanced game with Eckler and had Mike Williams show up. Um, they'll definitely take the next leap when Keenan Allen finally returns. But um, in the meantime, I think I think that this um, defense was tremendously impressive. I think the reason that Davis Mills was under duress and had a lot of miscues because they had four different sacks and two picks from that defense. Um, a lot of turnovers, and I think that was um, really impressive to show that they can win multiple ways. Excellent. And the last game to discuss the Detroit Lions, lovable losers right now. They score 45 points, 45. And that's not enough to Geno Smith, who has a game of his ages and Rashad Penny, another stellar game. But while Detroit has an amazing offense, absolutely amazing. And they still score with the St. Brown out as well. And then they have the opposite on defense, letting get it just whether you're getting run all over the place or having miscues all over the place. It is very, very tough to see with Detroit. You just want them to hold it down. But um, I mean, Geno Smith is completing 77 percent of his passes. I think he's getting like a solid five more years in the league out of this season. And, um, you know, they get another year as a starter. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Yeah, but um, I think the real story is that I think we love we love uh, as a NFL fan base society. We love Dan Campbell so much that he's getting so many passes for these very tough losses. <laughs> and um, do you guys feel the same way? Uh, it's it's a it's a real mystery figuring out this Lions team if they could just stop offenses from shitting on them on defense. I'm a firm believer in a coach can only go so far. They got a bad defense, not because of scheme. They just don't have good players on their team mm-hmm. on defense. It's okay. They got a, they got Except, Akuda. um, the, uh, Jeff Akuda. Yeah. Yeah. The cornerback. So I was a cornerback and Hutchinson at defensive yeah. end. You got, you got another nine guys as scrubs. I'm sorry. They're low budget players. They pick them up just to fill some spots. They're not good. It's a high-octane offense with not some big players on defense. They need a draft, and they need to get better. But they're ahead of schedule. Like the like Dan Campbell is just has to manage personalities right now until he, the GM can get him the players he needs. So that's why he's going to get the pass. But Jared Goff, I have to say, people thought that they were going to they uh, you know um, sent Jared Goff to Siberia, is in, in in words to Detroit. The man's third in the NFL in passing yards, number one in touchdowns, only three interceptions, and he's eighth in QBR. He's playing his playing off. He's playing great. Like playing his mind off. I'm happy for him. You know what I mean? He went from the Rams to shunned to a small community and he's doing good. And with Geno Smith, can't you know I'm really happy for him. He's better than Russell Wilson right now, I'll tell you that. And they got Tom Brady in QBR right now. Yeah. And they got his family for that. Yeah. So this Seattle team could sneak into a wild card. 
just by way of the competitiveness of that division where they usually split one-on-one. So I think they might be able to win some games and make like a, you know, a wild card at the seventh seed. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I won't go that far with um, just expectations of Seattle. I still think they're in a rebuild, but they they definitely have um, over-exceeded, you know, expectations with the offense. I'm trying to, you know, kind of adjust my expectations with who they're facing as well because we saw them have more difficulty with other teams um, of better caliber. But I love um, seeing the offense. This, this, this game, we really – I mean, I know we bashed it, you know um, – in the previous episode with kind of being um, the whimper, you know, game of, of, of the weekend, but I thought it definitely, you know, far exceeded expectations. It almost had like a college vibe, not just mm. with the offensive patterns, but, um, and, and the score, but just the energy, it felt like a really like youthful energy. And that a lot of that is Dan Campbell, um, what he brings to the table with his, um, with his team. But um, yeah, it, it definitely feels like, um, it, it, it kind of felt like a moral victory for both teams in a, in, an, in a weird way because it looks like both teams are more competitive than we had ever expected going into the season. Um, and, yeah, if you had Penny, Metcalf, or Hawkinson or Goff, um, you, were definitely cheer, you were definitely winning out on Sunday. Yeah, also, definitely. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams stepped in for DeAndre Swift. The man, yeah. man's a starting running back in the NFL, everyone. Absolutely. Good stuff, gentlemen. Now we could go to our upset whimpers and thrillers. And one other just funny story. So it texted me random. Slipknot gets pulled, gets um apprehended. Not apprehended. Um, People question that. Nah. Police question Slipknot on their way to a liquor store because they thought that they were going to rob him. And they were in their attire. That's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. All right. Upsets, whimpers, and thrillers this week. I start with this one. My upset. I am going to go with pure faith and with the shambles that this franchise is under. And if they lose to this team, then all you Patriot fans coming at me in the comments, especially the people who want to fight me. If you lose to this one, it's going to be awesome. I say this week's upset is going to be New England minus three against Detroit. I think they are going to exceed that and um, win it outright. Detroit is going to get their second win on the road against the Patriots, leading to complete disaster in Boston as they deserve it. Your time is up, Boston fans. You have been dominant long enough. Your Red Sox are in last place. Your Celtics coach is really horny and ruining that momentum. (laughs) The Bruins... Um, underachieving as well. And now it's time for the Patriots to lose, to suffer, to mess up. And if they can take it in stride and come up short against Detroit, it will be better for everybody involved and around here. Upset Detroit over the uh, New England Patriots, even though both teams are one and three. <laughs> I have the New York Jets beating the Miami Dolphins. Ooh, you really think that Zach Wilson will bring that dog out him in in again and get more people to love him and soak him up more on Twitter as if he is Joe Namath already? I just think that they're a very high-octane offense, the Jets, and they have a lot of potential in that regard. And the Miami defense is actually really bad in the passing game the last few games. 
and they get exploited a lot. Um, Xavier Howard is not playing up to what he usually does. So I think it will be a high scoring game. And I just think that the two a lag to Bridgewater will be just enough to make it a close game where I think the Jets will win by a field goal. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with Brian because they were originally my upset pick as well. And I think that it's because um, the Jets definitely showed a lot of resiliency in that Pittsburgh game on the road. I also think that having a short week with adjustments, um, switching over to um, with Bridgewater uh, running the show with Miami, I think that it's just a little too much too soon um, on a short week and as a divisional opponent. But if I have to pick another game for an upset, I actually have Atlanta upsetting Tampa. Um, I think that is um, um, another divisional game that could get really hairy. And I think that um, Tampa has a lot of shit to figure out, um, not only just the run game, um, with uh, a really resilient Atlanta defense, but also um, a lot of questions surrounding their second uh, receiver in their unit. Yeah, and um, for those, though, the spreads are minus three for Miami and against the Jets, and minus eight and a half against uh, um, for Tampa for Atlanta at home. And, yeah, I was actually thinking of that, of picking that as well. But I just feel with Tom Brady, who's had such a storied in the sense that been all over the place with this league, that if there's anybody who could overcome the possibility of him getting divorced in his 22nd season, he would be the one. And if he doesn't, then that shows that maybe he's a little more human than we think. The whimper this week for me. I think it's a great coincidence that the two most underachieving NFL teams after five weeks or after four weeks are playing each other in week five. Indianapolis versus Denver is going to suck. I mean, geez, two two veteran quarterbacks on new teams who haven't been helping those teams over the hump. We'll see if they battle it out in a weird in a weird, boring matchup now. And um, the spread on this one at the moment is, uh, excuse me, just one second as I find it right here, the spread. Well, you you see something for a second and then it disappeared. On Thursday night, the Denver is minus three points. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to suck and – It'd be nice for me for selfish reasons for a, on a fantasy team that Russell Wilson finally has a breakout game. I would even be surprised if that doesn't happen. Thursday night, you can miss it, but I'll still watch it anyways. For my whimper, I have a little twist. San Francisco, Carolina. I think San Francisco is going to beat the brakes off of Carolina so bad that it will be a whimper because you're going to feel bad for the actual demoralization of human beings on the Carolina Panthers. I think this game might be like a 40, like, like a 42 to like nine game. I think it's going to be that bad. (laughs) I think this is, I think this is personally the last game Baker Mayfield starts at quarterback. The only reason I would abstain from that pick, Brian, is because I think West Coast teams have difficulty coming to the other coast for one o'clock games. Oh, no, it's a four o'clock. My bad. Four o'clock. My fault. Okay, I take that back. Uh, I'm going to walk that back. <laughs> um, 
So originally, my turn of the week was Seattle New Orleans, but I learned my lesson picking Seattle um, as a shitty game because they're actually far more explosive than I could have imagined. Um, but I'm going to take Tennessee Washington. I think both these teams are virtually unwatchable. And I mean that in the best sense for Tennessee and in the worst sense for Washington. I think Tennessee's actually a quality team, but I just, there's nothing outside of Derrick Henry. I have anything to desire in this team uh, to watch. So I will say Tennessee, Washington. Good pick, good pick. The thriller this week, in my eyes, Cincy at Baltimore. I think this will be a well, even matchup on Sunday night. Baltimore is favored by three points. I think Joe Burrow could get his third victory in a row, but I also think that Lamar Jackson can bounce back after another grueling loss under his belt. The two losses he's suffered could go either way. I think for a team that for two teams that really need this victory, like in the worst way to prove their legitimacy, despite Baltimore's injury issues, despite the offensive line issues for Cincy, this is exactly the type of matchup you need for a Sunday night. And it's going to be a close one, but I think uh, Lamar Jackson will continue his mission to get a solid contract. And, um, they will, and you should take the points, and they will win just by a field goal for Baltimore. All right, so I'm going to take a interesting take on my thriller. I'm taking Pittsburgh Buffalo just because it's a thriller in the sense of we're going to see a full <laughs> game, full game from Kenny Pickett with a one week of getting starter reps and playing an injured Buffalo defense with those weapons on the Steelers. I think it's going to be a very close game. Really, Tomlin's a pro. I think you know, pro coach. I think he's good. I think he has the chance to do it. I think this game could. I think Pittsburgh could upset upset the Bills. Well, definitely, definitely record this and show off, Brian, because at the moment, the um, at the moment I'm seeing right here, Buffalo is a 14 point favorite against Pittsburgh. (laughs) And if they do it, you are a genius. And then, um. So um, I honestly hope, you know what? I would like that to work out for you. And um, I just want to see Pickett see play well. I just want to see Pickett play well. I think this is, this is uh Pickett, uh, Josh Allen is a very good comparison of player. I feel just in like where they were in the, when they started playing quarterback um, in their first seasons, just based on the situation and the team that they went into. So I think it's a very similar situation for Pickett. As Allen, so I want to see. I want to. I want to see some competition. All right, respected, respected. You guys really picked. I, I blame Brian because he painted me into uh, the only corner I could possibly live in. I'm taking my my team, my beloved Raiders, to upset the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Book it. All right, that would be a thrilling victory for sure. And um, we'll be watching that carefully. All right, gentlemen. But as always, I'll see you next week. Keep up the good work as per usual. And um, let's see how far we go with our picks this week. Talk to you Thursday. Great week, everyone. It was a good conversation and productive conversation. My buddies, Alex and Brian, great job on a really fun show. I appreciate the energy a lot. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show, our Productive Conversations podcast.com. 
And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod Convo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. We are returning tomorrow with a huge, absolutely huge Major League Baseball postseason episode. The playoffs are here. The hunt for a World Series has begun. The road to that World Series is unfolding. And we have so much momentum and fun going for it. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Met fan, you are disappointed, pissed off, and annoyed. But yet, maybe you still have a little hope because it's all about the hottest team in October. We start our coverage on the MLB playoffs tomorrow. Alex Young is joining me. We're going to record and pay close attention and cover all things MLB postseason, especially with the Mets and Yankees. So that's going to be a great time. We recorded this right before Aaron Judge hit number 62 on Tuesday night. Congratulations, Aaron Judge, my favorite athlete, my guy. I knew on August 16th, 2016, when you debuted, you were going to be something special. I knew when you were going to get, when you got drafted when I was in college, that this dude is going to really bring a spark to this team. Watching you from my early college dorms on those spring training games, debuting in 2016 and now obviously you should be the MVP but ultimately you you break the single season home run record in the American League for home runs in a season that's special you know forget the fucking assholes who are saying oh it's not the real record it's this that and the other it's BS congratulations on the seventh most home runs literally get a fucking life get the fuck out of here Enjoy greatness while you can, you negative, stupid assholes. You are literally that. Go tweet. Go get pissed off. Go enjoy something special, you stupid motherfuckers. I'll leave it at that as we get into our MLB's postseason coverage ahead, which is going to be special. Like I said, we're especially going to tune in and pay attention to what the Mets and Yankees are doing while Alex Young joins me when he can. And um, hopefully we get some other people to talk to me when he's not available. But ultimately, we are assembling our Major League Baseball postseason crew to cover the playoffs. And it's going to be a great time. No doubt about it. So we'll see you tomorrow with that. Thank you, Alex and Brian, for an incredible NFL show. And we will be paying attention to the NFL games as per usual. More great content in general with other great friends and guests to talk about various topics, but most importantly, staying productive. So we have quite a month ahead. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I will see you all very, very soon. In fact, I'll see you tomorrow. So don't forget to check in on your friends and family, everybody. And I love each and every single one of you. Thank you to the Productive Nation for making this all possible. All right, see you soon. Peace.